Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. And today's episode, well, I get to sit and talk to Barry Adamson and it's an absolute joy. Um, you're in for a real treat on this episode. Um, what a wonderfully warm and friendly guy, and uh, and, and we we talk about some some cracking stuff as you can imagine. If you've uh, if you know anything about Barry's career, then uh, yeah, there's uh, there's a good story to be told, um, which is uh, is being put together uh, in a book, uh, which will be coming out next year. And we touch on that as well. Um, before we get on to um, this episode, just a few thank yous. Um, a big thanks to Scribius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, big thanks to 76 for producing this podcast. And huge thanks to you lot for um, supporting Off The Beaten Track. It's um, It's been a real lifeline um, during 2020 to be able to continue to connect with people. And, you know, it's now done over a, a laptop and, and, and Zoom. But it's still lovely to, you know, in a time where a lot of us are kind of stuck indoors, to be able to connect and reach out and chat and have some amazing conversations with some some wonderful creatives, and uh, and this is very much one of them. Uh, today's episode. Um, before uh, we, we we press play on the chat. Uh, also, if this uh, is your first time listening, then uh, when you're finished listening to my chat with Barry, please go and have a look in the the back catalogue because you'll have access to nearly 200 episodes now, and you can hear me talking to artists as diverse as. James Lavelle, to Sheik, to Chuck D, a public enemy, to Deftones, to Mel C of the Spice Girls, uh, a real, real cross section, you know, lots of actors, uh, Maxine Peake, Amanda Abington, Joe Hartley. Uh, so, so go and have a, a look in the archives and you'll find some real wonderful uh, music natters to be had. Um, and if that's not enough, you can also support the podcast and get access to even more unique content um, over on Patreon. Uh, you can find out about all of this stuff on uh, offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. But right now, let's get on with today's episode. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with Barry Adamson. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, sitting opposite me today, Barry Adamson. Hello. Hi there. So, before we get on to talking records, 
Barry. Yeah. How have you found 2020 as both a human being and as a creative? Mm. Mm. Well, I think the two are sort of uh, pretty much intertwined for me because, uh, you know, obviously you're forced into a, a situation where, as a creative, um, it's helped in the past to sort of take a sort of form of isolation in, in a way in order to sort of work out the thing that you're making and what you want to do. But but when it's sort of literally forced on you, it's a sort of quite a pressure. I, I can remember this really sort of awful feeling where sort of just around the neighbourhood, I mean, in South London, and it was just like one big car park with nobody around. And I'd sort of go home and start sort of writing this stuff. And some of, the, some of it I'd sort of been working on already, you know, but there was that ever watchful sort of eye of like, what's going, what's coming next, what's happening, you know, and actually for the first time sort of trying to follow some kind of guidance because of feeling really quite lost within it all. And now it's, it's almost like, you know, I just don't want to take my sort of eye off the ball too, too soon, you know, with the way the world sort of shifted a little bit and we've, you know, I don't want to sort of take my foot off the pedal too early, even though there's a, you know, there's talks of uh, vaccine and, everything else but you know like for everybody else it's been really quite difficult and at the same time you know and hearing friends who who've lost loved ones is just heartbreaking you know um and you kind of like go like like just just the sort of like pain of that for them seeing them go through that pain it's just like unbelievable um and then there's this thing of like you know i am a creative and it's what i've done since i was a teenager and every day presents itself as another day to just start work, you know, despite what's going on, whether that influences you, whether it detracts you, whatever is going on. So you've kept creating? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I had a couple of months around the beginning where I was really sort of quite sort of not for six and I found it difficult to sort of come to the table, as it were. But then I think, you know, in some ways, you know, it's the art that sort of saves you, you know, it sort of massages the suffering, as I've heard it said, you know. And so it starts with, you know, that kind of started with me. And then obviously the work that you make, if you can send that out to people and it, and it helps them in some way, I really think it's, uh, that's been, you know, up on my list of priorities in terms of carrying on working, because I know that music does literally save our lives, you know. Well, well let's talk music. And uh, mm. for track one, Barry, I'm going to mm. ask you the song that you regard as having the greatest intro. <laughs> it's very difficult, very difficult when you start thinking of these things. So many things, sort of like you know, they're almost like a call, like listen to this. You know, I keep, <laughs> I keep, I keep coming back to it as a as a musician myself. I like to sort of, you know, there's an idea of the extended intro where you set you set the intro up by something really spectacular and then you settle the song in before it starts. And uh, one song that does this for me that covers actually a couple of songs due to the fact that it got sampled later is like when I was a kid, um, song Bob and Earl, Harlem Shuffle. It has this great da, 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 da. And you think that's it. You can't go further than that. And then it settles into this groove. And you just go like, oh my God. And you're taken. And then sampled by the House of Pain for the song Jump Around, you hear the exact same intro and think, well, if it's another band doing it, it can't be any good. And then they set up another group, and you just sort of 
brilliant. It's yeah. brilliant. And it's amazing that that piece of music can cover sort of different genres, different eras, different times. And I think that makes it, you know, stand up really quite well, if it can do that. That's such a great answer. No one has ever chose <laughs> an intro that was also sampled to such yeah. such a level so that when yeah, it comes yeah. on the radio now, if you hear that, bah, bah, you think, right, yeah, what's it going to be? Know. Is it going to yeah, drop to the baseline or is it but just going to – yeah. Both of them are equally pleasing, so it, mm. it, which means it hasn't done it a disservice in, in some way. And and as someone that that, that has been a sort of a, a DJ in the the alternative clubs for the last god knows how many years, yeah, jump around will get you out of trouble at any given point <laughs> on a dance floor in any just, venue. It's just it just causes mayhem every single just time. Throw it in, everyone, piles in. It is. It is. Um, I mean, as a musician, Barry, I'm going to ask you, mm-hmm. um, you know, over the years that you've been making music, the way that people listen to music has changed greatly yeah, um, yeah, as to where they source it and, and stream it or, or you know, and, and, and ingest it. Um, has that impacted on your consideration when writing? Um, not as a sort of initial thing, because I think the song is the song and the melody is the melody and the you know, the instrumentation is the instrumentation. But I will sort of take myself through various sort of formats in list, in list, at the listening stage. You know, how is that on a pair of in-ears? How is that on a pair of massive speakers? You know, so you sort of cover it. But as far as it sort of being, you know, streamed or bought or on a CD or whatever, I don't really, you know, pay that much sort of like special attention. But for me, it's like, you know, the... the the way it, the thing sounds at the end is is everything. You know, what I'm working towards is giving the listener the ultimate experience of what it is I'm trying to write, what it is I'm trying to put together. So in that sense, it's not really changed. I love the fact that the technology's changed. I mean, I can just sit here, pretty much knock an album together, you know, which sounds sort of a bit, you know, uh, prehistoric almost, but it's almost like the other way around because you can, you know, you can have something in a small box like this and, and do so much with it. Whereas before, you'd have to go and hire a whole studio for a day yeah. to, you know, and bring someone in to do that particular thing that they do, which it still isn't lost on me. You know, I, I like to sort of invite people in to sort of add what they do things, but you can do it that much simpler now. But Having been through that experience of the big studios of the seventies, eighties, you know, I've seen how things have progressed, and I've seen how that. And so I still choose to sort of, you know, it's. I'll do some things like maybe good fight, you know, I've got a friend with an analog studio in Brighton, so I'll run some things through his desk because I know that's the sound of then, and it gives it a certain ambience, and then I'll come back to the little box and put it in there and carry on. So um, there are, you know, some considerations, but I think having the experience of going through all of those things brings you back to a certain baseline of, you know, uh, of, I don't know what it is, uh, a sort of excellence that you're trying to aspire to within the, the framework of what you're doing. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But do you think going back to the kind of the, the time of, of, of punk and, and, and magazine uh, yeah. through to now being able to theoretically make a record on a phone. Like, yeah, exactly. It, it, is, is, do you true. think it's sort of topped and tailed with pretty much from then to now, you've gone full circle to that kind of punk DIY ethos again of it's, yeah. you can just do it very, very simply okay. with the means that you've got. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, you're right. You know, it's like what... The, you know, here you here you are with your you know creating a baseline on your phone that you can sort of throw into the mix and, and very much the DIY thing. Like I guess the idea of not having to go to the you know to the you know, the Daily Express or the Daily Mirror to sort of put a newspaper together. Mm. In those days, you just put a fanzine together, glued the pages together, and put and stuck them out. It's very much the DIY punk spirit. Um, I think that is uh, yeah something that you can almost like rely on as a given thing whereas for some people it's almost like there's this advance in technology whereas like you say it's almost like a kind of full circle and that ethos and thinking I'll, I'll do this rather than being daunted by it it's sort of encouraging i think that's what i mean by that the way the technology's gone as well yeah. okay uh for track two barry i'm gonna ask you the first thing yeah. you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you um i, I was a kid um we had the radio on all the time, so it's probably about five or six, I think. And the uh, Elvis Presley record came on called It's Now or Never. And, uh, you know, if I think about it now, it's sort of, it's not a, a particular kind of genre or any kind of style that I gravitate towards as I've gotten older, but there was just something about that song coming out of the radio, Elvis's voice, the impact, and what he was putting into that's the thing. It was like the emotional content of him just saying, it's now or never, you know, and, and this sort of putting out this, this thing. And, and I really sort of got into it and I sort of responded to it in such a way. My dad tells me, this is, he says, every time that record came on, you, you would just like look up and like stare at the radio like that. And so very sweetly, he made, he was a carpenter guy. So he made me a pair of uh, claves that the song features. It goes, it's now or never, 
it's like a you know a rhythmic part. Yeah. And he so he made me a pair of these. Probably he shut me up. Oh, cool. Um, but the, whenever the record come on, uh, the intro is quite slow, like a little mandolin. Another setup for the verse to come in. Uh, actually, the chorus comes in straight at the top. But so that would give me time to run around and find the claves and then get back to in front of the radio and play. But it's just the way he evokes this idea of like, I guess it's one of the traditional ideas of the love song, you know, without you, blah, 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 you know, this this kind of thing. And it was, even at that age, I found it, I found it incredibly sort of, you know, powerful. I didn't know what he was going on about, didn't know why he was going on, but it was just something that resonated with me, kind of, you know, and, and got me to tune in in this other way. And what would that emotion have been? Um, well, what was it for in in that song? I suppose, I suppose it was like the the uh, the kind of need for human connection. You know, I guess it's a love song, but that's the really at the bottom <laughs> bottom of it all. Like, you know, and him him not wanting to be so uh, alone. You know, uh, tomorrow will be to be too late. It's now or never. My love won't wait. He says. Um, so he's obviously like saying it to you know the person that he's. Um, intended to sort of be with and i think that, that this i guess trying to avoid the word need <laughs> for for human connection yeah. is is everything to him in that song and i think he's also made that sort of from the person into the universal which i think is a great trait of songwriting and where where was home then barry home at that time was in uh, uh, in manchester in hume um in a small sort of two up two down terraced house how was and, uh, how was growing up there? It was uh, it was it was an interesting. I mean, we were on the borders of human moss side, uh, which sort of affected my work later on in life. So I kind of saw things in in a quite sort of cinematic way at that time. I mean, literally it was a sort of black and white world, you know, and um, sort of we were slightly on the the fringes of a of a sort of populace. We were a mixed race family. So we were very kind of guarded and quite shielded in, in the way we went about ourselves. I can remember that. And almost like this sort of fatherly kind of protection, holding it together while things sort of coming at him like this, you know. And my mom, my mom sort of like fighting for sort of every every right, you know, in the world, which was a fantastic thing. It was very interesting. Okay. Um, for track three, uh, I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you if the song that reminds you of your time at school, please, Barry. Um, well, there was quite a few because, like, the, the, in the 70s, the change from, you know, uh, pop music to rock music and back and soul and funk. I mean, there's about 100 songs, you know, I could have, like, uh, uh, chosen. And I kept uh, sort of thinking, well, just, just see yourself, you know, just to sort of see yourself at school, see yourself like, what you know, what... And I saw myself just walking through the playground in this very sort of like almost like regal moment, and walking through and sort of like you know everybody I knew. And in in my head, the song uh, "The Liquidator" uh, by the Harry J. All Stars was playing. As soon as it starts, another great intro. And then we're off again, you know. Yeah. Um, and I just remember walking through the playground like that and just feeling this sort of sense of, you know, 
feet on the ground. I know what's going on. I know who I am. And this is the soundtrack. You know, that was at the lower school. Then when we shifted to the upper school, it all became about grunge rock and sort of like, you know, Afghan coats and patchouli oil and rock and all this sort of stuff. Did you did you enjoy school? Um, yeah, I thought I I'm a sort of person that's like very curious about things. So when you know, I I, I enjoyed lessons. I was kind of as I got a little bit older, I was a little bit too influenced by, you know, the sort of uh, the outsider sort of aspects of, of uh, people and, and the way they sort of like, you know, school was like, forget it, man, you know, come on, do this sort of thing. Those things got sort of into, you know, the scheme of things a little bit, but sort of this, I guess, creative, you know, curiosity by nature and like people, you know, and like where everyone was at. And I sort of loved going every day to sort of for the interaction to see what would happen next you know um so in that way in that way I enjoyed it I didn't sort of like think oh my god you know I, I hate you know I just can't deal with going at all really I mean I did sort of like music became this real sort of this sort of passion around well it was always there but particularly around 14 I was like very big on getting imports from America and I used to sort of stay off you know say leave for school come back very quickly and wait for the postman so I could get these records. And that became more important than school itself. And then I realized that I sort of like, perhaps I was like leaving school in some way already then a little bit, even though I stayed till I was like 18, 17, 18, yeah. Uh, obviously you're saying you'd come back home to pick up the, the input. So obviously music was having a, a massive impact on you at, at that point. Was that something, I mean, was you a creative kid and was it encouraged at school? Um. I was creative, but I was more about sort of, uh, you know, straightforward art, drawing, painting, and I sort of had aspirations really to become that kind of artist or become like a, a graphic designer or an architect. And so uh, it was encouraged by one teacher only, who I really remember fondly. And uh, he would sort of like, you know, I was the only person that was like paying any attention. I was the only person that seemed to be interested. I was the only person that would chase him down the corridor afterwards and sort of ask him about like, you know, that, you know, what you were telling us about that. Is that me? Is that because of, you know, and, he, and he'd sort of look at me and just say, why do you want to know all this? And he, it was almost like, it, you know, it was sort of a, a thankless task for him to be there because it would always fall on deaf ears. Whereas like for me, and it's interesting because I'm writing a book at the moment, I've gone back to school, talked to some of the kids there and they've gone like, yeah, you were always like, you know, we, we couldn't sort of go, what? Yeah. And there you were, you'd go away and then you'd be doing these portraits and you'd be doing this stuff and you'd come back and we'd go like, whoa, you know, but like we thought, yeah, what, you know, that, and it set me aside a little bit, you know, apart from it in, in terms of being a little bit distant from everyone. But, you know, I had to, and I've learned to, from there, really, it's almost like self-educate. You know, I think that's been a, a, a big sort of factor in my life and in the work that I do. It's been about self-education, you know, and trying to find knowledge and put that as an experience for it to then become something that I can, you know, use in my daily work life. Was you, I'll be able to, Sorry. Was you confident? Not really, not at all. In fact, I'd had trouble as, as a kid, um, I had uh, quite a few sort of operations. I, I was born with my arms and legs disconnected and uh, I had to have my arms sort of reset when I was about three and my legs when I was about seven. Didn't really walk, you know, so I felt, 
you know, and I had sort of like, so my bones are sort of quite thin and I was quite sort of like that. And so I had this sort of like identity and I was, you know, I was a great, to compensate for all that, I was a great comedian. I was a great impressionist. I could draw really well. So I had these other strengths going on rather than the sort of roughish, sort of rough and tumble type, but not that confident, but I was able to mask it quite well. I recognised I had to mask it in some way. And and looking at your your career, you know, in, in music and, and and art and and, and film, mm. what about drive? Are you driven? Mm. Um, I think so. I think there's there's just something about ah uh, what it is really. It's the sort of thing itself. It presents itself to you. It won't sort of, and it's not not in a horrible way. It's in a very pleasing way. It's like saying come on, come on, <laughs> you're like, come on. And it's like, what, you know, like this treasure to be found over here. And you're like yeah. thinking, really, you know, and then you, you work something out or you play the next beat or you find something, you know, or now you kind of put something together on your phone and go like, that's re- I really like that. Or, or you discover sort of something from the past that you've not been aware of before ever. So there's that sort of, um, that sort of connection to that really is the thing. Cause I know, I know it's a kind of food, if you like, in some yeah. way. And I know it kind of keeps me going. So, and it's not that I sort of particularly think, oh, God, I don't want to go hungry, but I like the way I'm sort of, I'm sustained, you know, across the board, to be honest with you, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, you know, spiritually. It just feeds all these, all these places, it seems. So, that, you know, it's kind of become a way of life, I guess. Okay. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Track four, the first yeah. song you remember buying from a record shop. The first song I bought um, from a record shop, Moss Side, I think, called Paul Marsh, and it was a, birth- it was a birthday present for my sister. Okay. That was the pretense. <laughs> that was the pretense anyway. Um, it's Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys. Oh, wonderful. Um, I'd heard this song and, you know, it was almost like so um, bizarre and so out there and so wonderful and so sort of just these elements put together. It's like a, a massive sort of symphony in a few minutes, you know, and I and we just got this new sort of cabinet stereo system at home in the front room. So I bought I bought that. So here, here you are, kid. This is, oh, great. And then quickly kind of whipped it out of her <laughs> out of her hands and sort of put it on and we just like sit there listening to it and sort of listening to the you know and I was working on something the other day funny enough and I was thinking like okay I'm going to do this like drop to this other thing I'm going to bring in this sort of uh you know uh kind of choiry effect and then have something in the background and I thought it's it's almost like going back to the school of good vibrations you know this is like you can you can go here and this is the effect and just using that that sort of idea as a sort of place to, to go. So highly influential record. And also that memory of like going in and asking for it was sort of everything. You know, to being looked at like, 
I mean, you, you just broke down, um, you know, how you were sort of starting to structure some, some music you're working on. When you'd hear Good Vibrations or, or, or you know, or, or any music, I guess, in your sort of formative years as you was, you know, starting to kind of develop your creativity, would you... Yeah would you deconstruct them records and work out in your head how they were put together or try and work out, how, you know, how, you'd have to try and work out how good vibrations were put together. God knows mm-hmm. how anyone mm-hmm. managed that masterpiece, but yeah, would you try yeah. and work out how these records were made? Yeah, I, I definitely did. I definitely saw it as a sort of, um, a thing of sort of endeavor to try and work. I mean, I'd be, you know, uh, I'm sort of like a bit of a, nerd you know a bit of a sort of um you know anorak i suppose you know train spot when uh, it comes to it you know yeah. i can sort of uh, i can obsess over <laughs> the way a particular bit the way sort of like maybe even one one little bit of the drum kit sounds yeah. oh you're in good wow. company here barry you're in good company mate don't oh, worry okay, then, all right. so, like, so, this is know, a safe space no... to be a nerd mate don't worry oh dear you know so listening to a hi-hat for, for three hours is nothing and sort of working, working out what reverb was put on it and what effects and so yeah i'm very trained sparring and it's funny because i haven't met many musicians that aren't and if you go like on the road, particularly, or stall starts to come out, even the quiet ones will, will sort of be sat there reading the book and then sort of like go into sort of like, you know, how the sort of part of, you know, the guitar part of this is put together, how many overdubs were sort of like, and how many, how they think where the, where the edit is, how they, you know, and all, and so sort of like a world of sort of transport. Cause it, it's, it's your, it's your thing, you know, and it's like, I guess it's like learning your trade, you know, in a way. I, I think that was important to me to sort of under, try and understand because first you're moved by everything and you don't know why. And then as time goes on, you start to go like, oh, okay, so that's what they mean by this. Yeah. And then you can apply that to that record, you know. Um, funny enough, in the book, I, I really uh, take the, the good vibrations apart, <laughs> like, a, like a car, you know, and I, I totally like take the thing apart you know um I, I kind of use that as a sort of vehicle to get me get me through certain spots in the book like by sort of it, it becomes a sort of anchor point if yeah. you like you know when things are going like good when things are going bad so like this anchor point of sort of knowledge of like understanding the way you know and almost like that's that's sort of like building a world if you like from the car upwards yeah. you know. and uh, just a uh, before we move on from record shops, just as, as somebody yeah. that's you know been an independent artist um, over the years, how, how important have those independent record shops been for you? Well, they've been sort of places of. Uh, not play, I mean, I was going to be. It sounds like full on like a place of worship, but it's a place where you can go to and sort of like immerse yourself in a world that is similar to sort of what, how other people feel about it. So yeah. you go there and it's quite, you know, it's, and then you go, can I, can I listen to this? Okay. You know, particularly, I mean, I'll keep coming back still to sort of, you know, rough trade in Notting Hill. And when I moved to London as a 18, 19 year old, you know, still there, thank God. Um, still better than sort of ordering anything online. You know, it's like talking to the guy and he'll go, you know, have you heard this? And I go, what is it? The play, I go, Wow, and then you look through the section you're and finally, oh, you make a lit and go down, and they've got it. You know, I think it's really it's it's a that's another sort of if you like the line of of connection to other yeah. people. You know, 
we're all in there doing this and we all know what the value is it's a lovely journey isn't it it's a great journey yeah really is quite special yeah um okay for track five barry i'm gonna ask you the song that soundtrack your years clubbing right it's funny because clubbing wasn't a big part of my experience because I got in a band so early, like at 17 and stuff. But whenever I come back to Manchester and uh, it was b- before the sort of uh, the period of the Hacienda that was everyone talks about every night. I mean, I'd go there probably about two or three nights, uh, I think, a week, particularly around the weekend. Whenever the record flashlight came on by Parliament, that's it. I didn't care if I was supposed to be in this new wave band. I didn't care if I was supposed to be this or that or the other. That was it. That was it. I'd be like legging it because when that sort of synth bass drops, that's it. You just lose yourself. And I think that really is the feeling that sort of, you know, uh, club music gives you that you just lose yourself. You just forget yourself, you know, and get into this sort of thing for a few minutes. And it's just beautiful. And so was this early days of the Hacienda then? Yeah. Yeah. I think so, yeah. If I, th- if I can remember when that record was out, um, it feels like the early days. Uh, it feels like, it doesn't feel like the sort of, because I, I remember sort of moving more to London and hearing that the Hacienda, you know, had gone sort of very into sort of Manchester world and all the rest of it. But this was, yeah, I think this was the earlier days. What? Someone will quote me wrongly on that. Someone will say, no, 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 you're thinking of this. <laughs> what was the draw to, to London? Work, really. I mean, in, in, in magazine, um, we started to get sort of quite a bit of attention. So you had to be there for sort of photo shoots, meeting with a record company. And uh, it just became like going up on the train you know, two, sometimes times a week. And then we decided, why don't we just try and stay there? So, um, you know, late 79, 80, I think, um, it was the sort of right thing to do and the more convenient thing to do. Although I still kept like a little, you know, little sort of flat in uh, in Manchester. And, and But gradually, gradually, more and more and more, then I had to sort of let it go and stay in London you know, for, for the whole time. Okay. Well, we're going to go back to the home county uh, for track six, yeah. Barry. Uh, yeah. I'd like a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Well, one of the one of the pivotal moments in my life was I'd started uh, going to uh, college to study graphic design, and a record came out. And, you know, the, there was this idea of, of punk, and it was all about London, really. You know, the Sex Pistols, the Clash. And then there was another band, though, and they were from Manchester. They were called the Buzzcocks. And so um, I sort of went to a gig of theirs, and this record also came out called Spiral Scratch. It was an EP, really, as opposed to a single. But I'll pick one of the tracks off there, because I still come back to it today, because it's an incredible reminder of, like, how... You sort of feel a bit sort of at the beginning of some sort of journey and then something could come along and say, actually, it's this way. And you have to sort of believe that that's the right thing for you. And this record was such a moment, you know. I went to a record shop um, in Stockport and there was now sort of well-known journalist Paul Morley was working there. 
And uh, I asked him for this record and we got in, into a sort of bit of bit of a chat about it and um, sort of source, so, you know, there's a sort of um, a like-mindedness about what was going on within this record from his perspective and mine. And every time I sort of put the, put it on, I went took it back to the, the college and put it on in the sort of common room, as it were. And people were like, oh, my God, what is this? But I just felt this incredible sort of message of, 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 of power, you know, where, where you could go you know, within music. And the song's called Breakdown, which is just the opening track of four, which are equally brilliant, I think. Yeah. Uh, Spiral Scratch EP by Buzzcocks. If, if you slung that EP on now, Barry, and shut your eyes, what would you be the first thing you'd see? Probably college and sort of walking away, walking away, like very unsure, but sort of feeling that this, this great thing is before me. Um, that's, uh, that's how I kind of visualize things. There. But, but, but there's a sort of well-wishing about that. There's not a sort of like, oh, my God, what are you doing? You know, there's, that's wrong. You know, there's a sort of well, it's like, you know, go on, son, <laughs> go. Um, which kind of happened really at the time when I said, like, I'm, I'm going to go and try and join a band. And they were like, it wasn't like, what? You're, you're, you're crazy. They're just like, fantastic. You know, I still speak to those guys today. You know? Yeah. Mm. Wonderful. I had a feeling you might pick that. No, uh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's obvious. No. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I think if I had to pick one uh, from Manchester, that would probably be that as well. Yeah, uh, cool. All right. Uh, for your last song, Barry, I'm going to ask you uh, to pick a song that many might not know that you would like them to hear. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, as an artist, musician, the rest of it, I'm kind of always on the lookout for something that's going to move me in the same way that those things have all throughout my life. And um, I've got a, a friend in America and she said to me, you should listen to my, uh, she's this kid's stepmom. She said, you should listen to his band. And I was like, who are we going to get? You know, like, okay. So, and she, she sent me some links to this band called Sextile. And uh, I was like, yeah, okay. LA bass rock and roll. Okay. And I listened to this track called I Can't Take It. And I, in that track, for me, it has, it has everything that is about rock and roll music since the beginning of time made today. And I was just absolutely blown away by it. This was a couple of years ago. Just the sort of like the way that the ideas and the instrumentation could sort of elevate somebody the sort of brooding darkness and sort of complication within what they were singing about, the sort of idea of sort of tension and release within the song and all of these elements, I just thought were absolutely brilliant. So I'm not sure many people know about Sextile. They've, they've, they've gone, disappeared off the planet since, which is a great shame. Has that spelled, one Murray? Oh, sorry, it's, uh, S-E-X-T-I-L-E. Right. Um, like in astronomy, I think. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, sadly gone, but not forgotten by me ever, I don't think. Really brilliant moment. And I'm not sure, many, therefore, many people would, would know this record. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I'll put together a Spotify playlist that'll have all of these tracks on so people can go and have a listen. Um, as we come to the end of 2020 uh, and, and, you know, hopefully looking at a, a more freer and happier 2021 um yeah what are you looking forward to barry professionally and personally 
Well, um, I guess I'm sort of trying to, you know, move forward with my own career through the, the, the book will come out um, in the middle of the year. I've been also working on an album, which will come out. So hopefully those two things will sort of set the compass of where I need to go next year, you know. And I hope we sort of slowly but steadily and surely climb out of where we are. Um, I think the world has changed forever. Um, I think it's difficult to accept that. Um, you know, I have days that are frustrated by that. Um, and other days that are quite sort of hopeful, you know, quite sort of like, well, where can we go then? You know, and accept the sort of challenge of that. Um, but then you kind of realize you're not completely in control of all that as well. So, you know, hopefully sort of like what's happened recently, for example, in America will be the start of a, of a, you know, a bit more sort of clarity and safety for everybody to sort of, you know, work together, uh, you know, as one and move the world from where it hit, which I think is rock bottom. You know, I think the only way can be forward out of there. I'd, I'd hope so. I really hope so. Barry, it's been an absolute pleasure talking records with you. Nice to talk to you, Stu. Yeah, great. Thanks it's good so to go much down. for your time. Trip down memory lane there. <laughs> Thanks, Barry. Okay. There you have it. Barry Adamson, thank you very much. What an absolute gentleman. Uh, lovely chat. Um, really looked forward to that. Um, I've been a big fan of of Barry's work and uh and when we press stop did actually have a, a quick chat about the the first time I saw Barry live and uh and yeah looking forward to to the book coming out next year and uh, and new music uh, as well so uh, lots to be uh looked forward to for uh, for 2021 um thanks again to you lot for listening thanks once more to Barry for giving his time up and and having a chat if you um don't follow me on the socials um then you can you can do and it really helps off the beaten track uh, on all the all the platforms so go over there and give us a like love share retweet because this podcast is a pure labor of love so if you do um get a chance to kind of spread the word then uh, it's much appreciated um thanks again and uh, and i'll see you next time bye-bye i've got an announcement save our souls clothing www.sosclothing uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, They've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. 
So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me Stu Whiffin. Eat a pocket.